Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 118, the podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything that's got anything to do with any of that. And uh, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you know, make sure you leave us a little star rating, um, maybe a little comment, uh, but also be reminded that you can see the fully fledged uh, color version over on YouTube. Uh, all you've got to do is go to youtube.com forward slash camera shake and uh, you'll find us there. Anyway, in today's episode, I'm on my own because Nick is uh, working again. I'm in Germany uh, for the last time this year. I think it's the third time or something. Um, and I'm here for a very specific reason. Now, my mom is moving house because her and her new partner um, are moving into a new apartment. And uh, so I'm here in the old apartment recording this podcast. But the reason I'm here really is because, I, uh, first of all, my wife and I thought it'd be a good idea to have a, a week off and uh, go for a bit of a holiday. But also, I wanted to create um, a portrait of my mom uh, with her new partner in the new apartment. So for a bit of a housewarming present, uh, if you want to call it that. So in today's episode, I'm going to take you through um, the shoot itself, the uh, the trials and tribulations and all the um, all the things that I had to consider and the equipment that I uh, decided to take with me. Um, this particular shoot, it's one of those uh, photo shoots where you need to balance ambient light and flash exposure. And that's exactly what we need. I don't understand. Hey Siri, I think that... Not even Siri understands what I'm talking about. Well, that's not a surprise. So I thought balancing flash and ambient light it's an interesting topic, and I think uh, many many photographers uh, find that a bit of a challenge. So I'm going to take you through that today. Um, but before we start with that, uh, let me just talk about the gear that I decided to take. Because traveling on a plane really usually means that you have to size everything down, um, and, uh, and and this trip really was no exception. I thought I you know I needed to find a way to fit everything that I needed for this particular shoot into one camera bag. Um, and so instead of taking studio lights, for example, I decided to um, take a speed light. This is a, a speed light I've had for a few years. It's a Cactus RX60, RF60X. <laughs> Cactus RF60X, that's it. Um, it's, uh, it's a radio controlled um, flash. I don't think the company exists anymore, um, but they used to make some really cool, um, really cool speed lights. Now, you can use any speed light uh, for this sort of thing, uh, whether it's a branded one or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a cheaper brand like Young Newell, for instance, they make radio controlled um, speed lights nowadays as well. So, uh, so that works really well. I, uh, this was going to be a one light scenario. So, um, I, and I need to travel light. So one light was, was all I was. So one speed light and um, this trigger, obviously, you need to trigger the uh, the speed light somehow. So again, Cactus uh, used to make these really interesting triggers. Um, nowadays, you can get similar stuff. Like I said, Young Nuo, Godox, anything like that uh, will do the trick. Now, I'm going to come to uh, the speed light settings uh, and so on um, in a minute when I talk about the camera settings and and how the how the whole shoot came together. But um, let's have a look at some of the lenses. So from the outset. I knew I was going to shoot indoors and I knew uh, it was going to be an apartment and I've been to the apartment before and so I had a good idea as to what the layout was uh, but I knew there wasn't really going to be a lot of space. So in terms of lenses I wanted to have a few options. Um, so 
I naturally always pack uh, this 85mm um, portrait lens. Um, it's a Nikon um, 85 1.8. So this is a cheaper version of the uh, of the 85s. Uh, the Nikon make, they also make a 1.4 version, which is also beautiful. But truth be told, this lens is what I call the money maker. Um, it wasn't terribly expensive. In fact, it was it probably cost a third of the, the 1.4 version. Um, but it produces beautiful images and I use it, I use it for headshots all of the time. It's really, it's a killer lens, um, it's sharp as hell. Um, it does produce a really, you know, really nice bokeh. But I think the reality is with a lot of portrait work, in my case anyway, I don't really shoot that shallow. So, you know, I typically shoot at around 5.6, something, something like that. Um, and for that, I don't really need a lens that opens up to 1.4. So. Again, this lens is a really good option, um, especially if you're on a budget and you want a really sharp, really awesome portrait lens. It's it's a beautiful lens. Um, anyway, so that's the 1.8 um, 85mm. Now, I also brought this lens just because I wanted to see whether I could make it work or whether, you know, it would be um, useful. It's a really old, about 40-year-old um, Nikon a uh, 35mm manual lens, so no autofocus in here, everything's manual. Uh, it, it sort of, it creates a really nice natural vignette. Um, it's a really cool lens, um, I picked it up a little while ago. Um, and it's, it's, an, it's a 35 prime. Now, as it turned out, it wasn't really the right focal length in this particular situation, but it's small, it's light. I threw it in the camera bag, um, you know, no big deal. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely a great lens. Um, I like to take it on a little street photography trip, maybe um, in the near future, and just um, you know just test it out a little bit more. But that was the other lens. And then the lens that I'm filming with right now is just a standard 24 to 70. Um, it's the standard, my go-to bread and butter lens that I take with me um, all the time. Now, 24 to 70 is not really a natural portrait lens, really. Although there are exceptions, um, the there's a photo project. Um, I've been doing for a few years called Three Heads in a Row, uh, which which uh, creates, I'm trying to create like a caricature type of slightly comical look and using a 24 to 70 lens at the wide end, so at the sort of 24 to 30 end, um, it really distorts facial features enough to give it like a comical vibe. Um, so in that particular respect, um, it works really well. Um, but it's also a great range. And what I found was that, that in this particular scenario, I ended up at about 50 mil. Um, and of course, with the 2470, it's, it's perfect. It really gives you wide range um, when, you're, uh, when you're shooting a slightly wider um, portrait. Like in this case, there's a portrait of two people uh, with some environment. So it, it really gave me the range just in case the, 24, uh, the, the 85 was too close and uh, the 35 was too wide. And that's exactly what happened in this particular case. Uh, that's just how this, this particular situation was. Um, had I had more space to move back, uh, then the 85 would have probably done it. But there you go. Um, I could have taken a, a, a 50 prime. Again, a very small lens. I didn't at this point, or I, I didn't this time, so, oh well. Anyway, um, 24 to 70 worked perfectly. Now, um, what else have we got? Now, the one thing I always take with me when I when I use artificial light is a light meter. And I know you know some people 
like light meters and some people don't, this is a very simple Siconic uh, L308X. Um, I use it all the time, I've used it for years. Um, I just like to get a ballpark exposure basically with this. Um, it really is just a starting point. You know, it gives you a really great ballpark, um, a starting point, and you can then, you know, tune it in from there if necessary. Um, it allows you to be consistent, and it also allows you to save a lot of time, especially when you're with a client. Um, you don't really want to be starting or take tons of test shots, and you know, uh, so a light meter really saves you a lot of time, makes you look a lot more professional, and um, and I think that's you know what a lot of clients expect. In this case. You know, the client was my mom, so hey. But anyway, it did save a lot of time in the beginning. Um, what else? Now, you get a mount the speed light somewhere. And I like using these speed light brackets. Again, there are smaller ones, of course, but uh, this one, I just like it because you, you simply slide the speed light in like this and you lock it down. And then you put the, the modifier either on the front, so it's got a standard Bowens mount, so you can mount uh, soft boxes um, and, and all sorts of different modifiers to it. And it also has this mount for an umbrella. Now, the uh, modifier I decided to take with me was actually uh, just a simple umbrella. Um, in my studio at home, I don't really shoot with umbrellas that much. I prefer softboxes usually, but when it comes to traveling, umbrellas are great uh, because they fold together real small, they fit in your suitcase, super simple. You know, softboxes usually pack a lot bigger. So um, again, in this particular case, it was all about keeping it small. So. Um, I used a, a Photix umbrella, and again, I'm lighting myself through that at the moment. But it basically gives you a number of options. Um, it's, it comes as a, a shoot-through umbrella, and then you can put this sleeve over the top, and that gives you basically a silver reflective um, surface as well. So you can use it as a shoot-through or as a, as a you know, reflective umbrella as well. Um, it's really versatile. Um, this one is about 30 inches wide, maybe about a meter, roughly 30, what is that, 40 inches, something like that. Um, this is sort of a mid-size umbrella, it works really well. Um, I was, my first attempt was really to use it as a, a shoot-through because the, the light is a little bit softer when you use a shoot-through umbrella, um, but that didn't work out for one particular reason. Now, I'm going to go in the, into the shoot in a minute. Now, the location was really nice and modern. Um, I decided to shoot the portrait in the kitchen area of the apartment. Um, but the the kitchen, as, as nice and as modern as, as and as white as it was, had really reflective surfaces. And using the shoot-through umbrella uh, really gave me a lot of really nasty reflections, um, on the, especially on the on the kitchen doors. And um, and it really didn't look great. So I had to kind of uh, I had to change my approach a little bit. Um, I, uh, I then switched around and used the, the reflective surface um, of the umbrella and moved the umbrella away a little bit, which also meant that I ended up lighting a slightly larger area than I was planning on. But uh, there are ways to, to remedy that, and I'll, I'll explain that um, in a minute. So, the shoot itself, well, we had, we're, we're in an apartment, and we have natural light coming into the apartment. This, this apartment has a lot of windows um, and, and the, a big sliding uh, porch door and everything, which is glass. And so there's a lot of natural light in there. And there's also a lot of really cool uh, practical light in there. So practicals um, are light sources like, you know, tungsten light bulbs, um, 
you know, they had a lot of under, like under cupboard lighting, whatever you call it, you know, um, in the kitchen and um, some, you know, some lights in the background and so on and so forth that I wanted to, I wanted to uh, have in, in the image. Um, but I also had a, you know, a window on the right hand side. I had these terrace doors on the, on the left. So there was a lot of natural light coming in, but nevertheless, because you're inside, um, you're still not going to get around, you know, getting, ramping the ISO up in order to get a good exposure. So I'll, I'll talk you through um, the camera settings as well in, in a minute. Now, why would you balance off camera flash and ambient light? Like if you're in an environment where you have a lot of light, you know, you might think, well, I might just, you know, I might just use that and be done with it. Um, now, I think the number one reason why you would want to balance off ambient light and camera flash is, you know, predominantly quality. You just get a much higher quality looking image if you light your subject specifically, um, and in this case with off-camera flash. Now, again, you want to balance out the subject with all the environmental light sources that are that are available. Um, the light on the background, you know, versus uh, the light in your subject, all the practicals that are involved, and everything else. Um, so, by using off-camera flash, you can control the quality and the quantity of the light that hits your subject. So, you can control the quality basically by using whatever modifier you choose to use. And uh, you know you create hard light or soft light or anything in between, and of course you can control the quantity of light because you can set your flash to whatever power you want, um, in order to light your subject uh, correctly. Now, you can also control the direction of light. So by lighting your subject with off-camera flash, you can decide what direction you want the light to come from. Do you want to come? Do you want it to come from the left, from the right, from overhead, wherever? Um, the choice is yours. And that's a real advantage. You don't really, you can't really make these creative choices if you're just relying on the available light. I mean, you can move your subject, you know, you can turn them into the light and whatever, but that changes, you know, your perspective and the way you shoot them against the background. And if you've got a very particular composition in mind, then lighting your subject um, artificially is, you know, you're not really going to get around that. So, anyway, so. Um, the other thing, of course, is you can control the brightness of your subject against the background. And it was really uh, something that was really important in this particular shoot. Um, you know, I wanted the, the overall feel of the image to be relatively bright and, you know, and airy and happy. Um, but I also wanted to be able to control the background uh, brightness against, against the subject. So again, you're lighting the subject se uh, separately really became ultra important. Now, the fact that I had to deal with a lot of reflections in the in the kitchen uh, cupboard surfaces basically meant that I had to move my light source away much further from the subject than I had originally planned. Um, and that has, that has a number of implications. The main thing is that by turning the umbrella around and shooting into the into the umbrella and having the reflective surface of the umbrella uh, basically reflect all the light back onto the subject. It really means that you're lighting a much larger area. Um, so you're lighting, the you're lighting the subject, but you're also lighting the area around it and you have a lot more light hitting the background. Remember, we want to control the background a little bit. So, um, so in this particular case, I ended up having way too much spill on the background. And um, in order to 
to mitigate that, uh, what I actually did was I took some uh, some clean background plates off the off the background, lit and unlit. So what that means is I basically just shot you know two two images, uh, one without any artificial lighting and one with the flash, off the background. And what that does is it gives me the opportunity later on in the edit to um, to to you know compose things and put things together and uh, mask things in and out depending on um, what I want them to look. So um, you know for instance I could you know, mask some of the uh, the light that, that hits the background uh, simply out by using uh, by using mask in Photoshop. And that way I can, you know, recompose the whole thing so I can make it look the way that, that it was originally intended. Um, so thinking about the edit when you set up your lights and when you light a scene is is really quite important. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think you really need to know what you can, what you can achieve in post if you don't have the time or the equipment to, um, you know, to get the result on set. And in this case, I was extremely limited because I had well, very limited gear and what I had is what I had. So <laughs> the situation was what it was. And you know, the surfaces were shiny. So what can you do? Anyway, um, there's actually, by the way, there's a number of tricks you could do also with an umbrella. Um, you, you can collapse the umbrella a little bit, which gives you a smaller light source, but it also becomes more directional. So you don't necessarily have to open it up all the time. Um, in actual fact, uh, you know, that can work really well. Um, a smaller light source will also give you harder light. So it's a bit of a give and take. So you get a, you know, you just have to balance that off. Do you want the, the light to be softer? Then you need a larger light source, um, but it also creates more spill, which means more, uh, more light's gonna hit the, back, the background. Um, so you're just gonna have to, yeah, think about these things, balance them off and come to some kind of compromise somewhere along the way. And you know, that's exactly what's, um, what was uh, necessary here. Now, but in order to balance ambient light and, um, and flash power, uh, we've got to work with the camera settings. So I'm just going to take you through the camera settings um, in, for this particular shoot. Now, the first thing was uh, that the, the ISO uh, was locked at 640. So um, that was locked, that's basically set it and forget it. It was relatively high um, because, oh, mainly because, you know, uh, I was shooting indoors. When you shoot indoors, you normally have to crank the ISO up. Um, 640 is, is a pretty happy number on my camera. I know I get a pretty low noise, so absolutely no problem there. Um, in fact, on some newer cameras, well, you can probably you know, crank it up even higher if you want. Um, but it's not really always necessary to shoot everything at ISO 100, no matter you know, whether you think that that's, that's like you know, the, the cleanest image. The reality is, unless you put something on the side of a bus or on the side of a building, you know, you can contain it relatively, uh, relatively easily. So ISO 640, it was locked in, didn't change, forget it. Um, now, the, the way you control the amount of ambient light that enters, um, enters through your lens is actually with the shutter speed. Um, the higher the shutter speed, the less light, the less ambient light will enter, enter the camera and hit the sensor. So if you find that your, uh, your background is too dark, you can simply drop the shutter speed down and it will brighten up your, your background. Uh, it won't have an effect on the subject because you're lighting the subject with a flash. And I'll come to that in just a second. So let's just talk about how we can expose the, the background um, correctly when you're balancing you know, flash and, and ambient light. So use shutter speed for that. And it might mean 
that you're that you end up um, shooting at at lower shutter speeds than you used to. Um, in this case, I was shooting at one um, sixtieth of a second. So that's a relatively slow shutter speed. Worked absolutely perfectly fine in this in this case. It really gave me enough light on the background. Um, the scene itself um, appeared well lit. All the practicals came through really nicely. So. Um, there was a ceiling light in the background, for example, that came through really nicely, and there were some other lights. Um, and, uh, and overall, it gave it a really natural-looking feel. So 60th of a second um, is what works here. Now, the, the aperture, um, in this case, was f5.6. Um, it gave me plenty of depth of field for the, you know, to, to make sure that the subject was, or the subjects, were really nice and focused, and it just it just threw the the background off just a tiny little bit. So there wasn't like too much super detail in the background, um, but it's also completely blurred out. So when, you know, I just want to have a some degree of um, of detail in the in the background. Now, the the thing that actually lights or you know exposes your subject in this case is actually the flash and the way you you expose your uh, your subject is by increasing or decreasing the flash power it's it's really quite simple now you might think well but if you know if i drop down the the shutter speed then that will have an impact on the overall overall exposure of the image and therefore it will also affect the subject but it really doesn't because if you think about it, what happens is if you, you lower the shutter speed, you basically tell your shutter to, to stay open for longer. Now, your flash will only hit the subject for a fraction of that. And that's what exposes your, your subject. Everything else will basically just take in the ambient light. So you're exposing the subject with your flash. So basically, shutter opens, flash fires, flash gone, shutter stays open, and then it closes. So the way to remember that is, the flash power, the power on your flash, the way you set your, your speed light or your, your strobe or whatever, that is what's going to illuminate and expose the subject. And you can control the background um, by increasing or decreasing the shutter speed. So once you get your head around that, it's actually a pretty simple, simple concept. Now, um, in this case, like I said, the shutter speed was at, um, at 1 60th of a second. Um, and the other thing, the other thing is also, you know, by opening up the, or by, by slowing down the shutter speed, you can also then uh, make sure that you save some battery on your flash. So for instance, with a speed light, you know, you limit it by the AA batteries that, that are in there. And, um, of course, you know, if you're, if you're already letting in a lot of light, then you don't necessarily need to max out your flash power. So in this case, I think uh, my speed light was set to about an eighth power, give or take. I think it was an eighth and third of a stop or something like that. Um, so really, you know, it was um, it was fairly civil. We're not talking about high-speed sync here, by the way. Uh, we did some uh, we used some high-speed sync in an earlier episode um, last year, and we'll take you through the whole concept there. But that's going to get a little bit too complicated um, in this case. And although you can use high-speed sync. Um, with these speed lights or with some of those, but that's not, that wasn't really necessary in this case. So we'll talk about um, in a, in a different, in a different video. Um, I'll put the, in fact, I, I put the link 
up in the corner there. Now there's one more thing that I want to mention. Um, one of the things that becomes really quite important when you're doing something like this, where you, uh, you know, where you're, um, where you're shooting clean background plates and you you want to composite things together, especially, um, you know, especially images that were shot with flash and then um, images that were shot without flash is, and that's the light, the color of the light or the color temperature. Now, I use this um, spider checker. Um, it's basically a gray card and a, and a color checker. Um, this is really quite important when you're, uh, when you're trying to you know, composite things together because you need to make sure that the color temperature is, is the same. Um, typically what happens is when you're, you know, when you're setting your, um, your, um, your color temperature to, to flash, everything starts to warm up a little bit. Um, and then when you shoot an ambient scene, um, everything appears to be rather blue. So you have to compensate for that um, somehow in post. Um, you could do it in camera, I guess, but you actually, you know, you're not necessarily really going to have to worry about the white balance too much uh, because especially when you're shooting raw, you have a lot of uh, flexibility with that in post. And really, from my experience, it's much easier to, to get that to match and to, to be really accurate when you do get in post. That's how I like to do it anyway. So um, a gray card and a color checker is a really important tool. Um, I think in one of the previous episodes, Nick uh, spoke about the importance of uh, the color checker for video, but of course we use it um, in photography just the same. So you know, get yourself one of those. There's lots of different options um, available, clearly. Um, but yeah, so in the edit, um, the complication was, was really to balance off the background against the subjects. Um, again, I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of spill. And uh, so having these options of masking in, um, you know, some bits and bobs from the, uh, from the blank shots, actually, you know, it just gives you a lot more flexibility. And in particular, on the right-hand side of the image, you can see there's a lot of natural light coming in, um, which created a nice, Bit of contrast, um, so I wanted to keep a little bit of that, and then of course um, on the left-hand side we have uh, that practical ceiling light um, that was really quite nice, and also we had you know some some sort of contrast on the the sunflowers in the foreground and and so forth. So so there wasn't necessarily a lot of compositing um, in in the final image, but just enough to just enhance it just a little bit, um, and that's really all there is to it. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you've learned one or two things. Um, if you have any questions um, as far as balancing flash and ambient light is concerned, please get in touch. We're happy to address those. Um, again, you can, you can get in touch uh, via our Facebook group, uh, Camera Shake Podcast on Facebook, or again, touch on Instagram, uh, send us a message on TikTok, or you can email us on camerashakepodcast at gmail.com. That's it for this week. We've come to the end of Camera Shake Podcast episode 118. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, leave a comment in the comments or you know, leave us a little review if you're listening to the audio version. Um, if not, you know, hop over to YouTube. If you want to see the actual images um, or the final images um, that I took in this particular shoot, then go and you know, check, out our, check out our Facebook group. Um, or, of course, hop over to YouTube and watch the video there because you can see the images in there. Anyway, um, hope you learned something. We'll see you next week. 